Lehi was tired. First of all, he'd had to leave his comfortable home in Jerusalem. He and his family had traveled three days south. The trail was dusty. It was hot. They were exhausted. In addition to that, there were Lehi's two oldest sons. Instead of giving their support and encouragement, all they did was complain. This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon, and we're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we welcome you to an interesting discussion today. Andrew, how do you think Lehi felt as he traveled south? You know, I don't know exactly what it's like in Jerusalem, having never been there. But from all the pictures and everything I've heard about Saudi Arabia and that area of where they were, it's just a big desert, right? It's a big desert. It would have been awful. It would have taken three days. I mean, the pioneers walked across the plains and that we hear about that all the time. And it was awful, it sounds like. So it was something similar to that, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe even worse. I'm sure after traveling three days, the caravan was pretty excited when Lehi finally said, Okay, let's take a break. Let's stop. Let's put up our tents and rest for a few days. As they rested in that valley, Lehi decided to name the river and name the valley. First of all, he named the river Laman, and the valley he named Lemuel. Yeah, it seems a little strange to even bother giving them names. I doubt they named every little valley or hill that they came across as, as something. So... Yeah, he must have been doing it for a reason. And I suspect the people who traveled that same route didn't know that that was the River Laman and the Valley of Lemuel. Yeah. Those were temporary names. Yeah, so he didn't leave any signs that said Valley of Lemuel or River of Lemuel. (laughs) He didn't leave a road sign. (laughs) That would have been cool, though. It really would be neat if archaeologists somehow someday discovered, carved in through this rock, Here's the Valley of Lemuel or whatever. <laughs> it would be cool. But, you know, that would be nice evidence of the Book of Mormon, but it, they probably won't find that. I don't think he even made one. I suspect he didn't do that as a permanent landmark. He just did that as temporary names. So why did he do it? Why why bother naming these places at all? Do you hmm. want to read that in the Book of Mormon? Yeah, let's read it. Okay, it's found in First Nephi chapter 2, verse 9. And when my father saw that the waters of the river emptied into the fountain of the Red Sea, he spake unto Laman, saying, O that thou mightest be like unto this river, continually running into the fountain of all righteousness. And he spake unto Lemuel, O that thou mightest be like unto this valley, firm and steadfast, and immovable in keeping the commandments of the Lord. What was the message there then? Yeah, so clearly he's saying to Laman, I want you to be like this river that's always flowing into the fountain of all righteousness. So rivers just kind of flow in one direction, always the same, and are just consistent. And in uh, Lemuel's case, he wanted him to be like a solid rock, solid and immovable and firm. He's saying, Laman, keep on this path. Don't wander off in different directions. Stay on that path and make that goal towards Jesus Christ. There are rivers that don't actually make it to the ocean. We say all rivers kind of flow to the ocean, and there are some rivers that dry up and just are streams that kind of go through a valley or whatever that just end up going down into the sand. And I think he's saying, I want you to be solid and just continue to flow to the fountain of all righteousness. Don't get lost in the sand. And same with Lemuel. I mean, with Lemuel, he's saying, be solid. Don't be moved around. More like a a hill, a sand dune that was being pushed around. And What were the two words that he used? Firm. Firm and steadfast. 
in both of them, he's saying keeping the commandments, and the other one he says continue in righteousness. It wasn't just what they were doing. I think it was also, though, their attitude, because they would sometimes, they sometimes were good. You know, sometimes Laman and Lemuel were like, yeah, let's repent, or let's do the right thing. They were flowing in the right direction. (laughs) And then the next week, they'd be like, I'm sick of this. Well, I think that Lehi named that river and that valley because it had significance. It had meaning to his sons, and he wanted them to understand that. In fact, Nephi kind of tells us that in verse 11. Okay. Now this he spake because of the stiff-neckedness of Laman and Lemuel. For behold, they did murmur in many things against their father, because he was a visionary man. Lehi wasn't always a successful father. In the end, his two oldest sons had their agency, and chose to rebel. But that said, we have to admire Lehi's determination. He really tried to motivate his oldest two boys, and for a while, it appeared to work. Like Lehi, we can't guarantee that our children will always choose the right roads. We can't take away our children's agency. So, in this whole process, Lehi wants Laman and Lemuel to be really steadfast and strong and unmovable. But in the end, who was it that was actually the steadfast one? Lehi taught all of his sons the truths of the gospel, but the son who became most steadfast was Lehi's son Nephi. Somehow, Lehi didn't feel it was important to name a physical landmark after this particular son. And speaking of Nephi, what are the character traits you think about when you think about Nephi? What are some of the adjectives you'd use to describe this man? Well, I think definitely faithful, and then firm, steadfast, strong, things like that. And the word I think of is obedient. Yeah. But he gives us a hint that maybe things weren't always so good. Yeah, a little hint. (laughs) When he left Jerusalem, I don't think he was particularly happy. I don't think any of the family were. I doubt it. They hadn't received a a vision themselves. And they had lives in Jerusalem. They had friends, uh, other family probably there. Nephi might have had a girlfriend. (laughs) That's possible. They might have had, you know, jobs even, or who knows what kind of things they had tied in Jerusalem. And then dad comes home one day and says, pack up, we're going to leave and live in tents. Yeah, you'd be thrilled, I'm sure. (laughs) And I'm not sure where we're going but the Lord will guide us. Exactly. None of them could have been very happy about that. No, I think Nephi questioned, what is my dad doing? And he gives us a hint of that. It's in 1 Nephi chapter 2, verse 16. First of all, it says, in 15 it says, and my father dwelt in a tent. So, <laughs> <laughs> But then he says in verse 16, and it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, Nevertheless, being large in stature, and also having great desires to know the mysteries of God, wherefore, listen to this, I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart, that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father. Wherefore, I did not rebel against him, like unto my brothers. Yeah, and it's not that Nephi is so different from his brothers. All of his brothers had questions or concerns about leaving. It's just that Nephi's brothers just complained. (laughs) Nephi, on the other hand, took it to the Lord, asked him to explain or to see if it was the right thing for him to do. 
And after he had that confirmation from God, he softened his heart and said, this is what we're supposed to do. It's such a difference between Nephi and Laman and Lemuel. And it's such a good example for us, too, because I think all of us at times probably question what our, our leadership are doing or what our parents or, or what even God has asked us to do. But if we humble ourselves and say, this is what I'm supposed to do, and we get that confirmation, then we can say we're going to obey, even if we don't necessarily like it. Nephi has now received an absolute affirmation of the truth. He now knew without a question that his father was inspired to leave Jerusalem. With that prophetic blessing, Nephi would now be required to face the most profound test of his entire life. Lehi asked his sons to return to the city of Jerusalem and retrieve the brass plates that were in the possession of a powerful man named Laban. In fact, Lehi instructed, Don't return without those vital records. The brothers tried unsuccessfully to ask Laban nicely for the plates. They offered to trade wealth and money for the plates. But in the end, Nephi could never have imagined what was to happen next. Yeah, try to imagine what it would be like to be Nephi. He had just left his brothers after their two failed attempts. They had no faith in him or in anything at all, really, at that point. But here Nephi is, being led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand where he's going to go or what he's going to do. Ahead of him, barely visible in the dark shadows, Nephi could distinguish the shape of a fallen man. As Nephi approached, he could tell that this was the wicked Laban, who was lying in a drunken stupor on the ground. Nephi noticed that Laban was dressed in his military attire, with his extraordinary sword lashed to his side. Nephi reached down and disarmed Laban. He withdrew the sword from its sheath. Then Nephi heard the familiar voice of the Spirit speaking to his mind. To Nephi's astonishment, the Lord commanded Nephi to kill Laban. Andrew, what was happening here? Laban's laying there drunk. He comes across him. (laughs) Well, you, you think about it. God could have caused Laban to die from a sudden heart attack. Yeah. He could have caused Laban to fall down some stairs and break his stiff neck. (laughs) (laughs) Could have. But that is not the way God works. In answer to Nephi's prayer, God delivered Laban into his hands. God wanted Nephi to own this challenge. God wanted this to be the supreme test of Nephi's willingness to obey. Before Nephi had said, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. And he made that commitment very seriously. He was willing to do whatever God told him to do. Well, those were words. Now came the real actions. It's kind of like Abraham and Isaac, except Uh, uh, he, he, he actually had to do it. Those words and that commitment were about to be put to the ultimate test. Nephi hesitated. In fact, it says, Never at any time have I shed the blood of a man. And he later recounted, I shrunk and would that I might not slay him. That's in First Nephi chapter 4, verse 10. But again the voice spoke to Nephi and said, Kill him. Yeah, that would be awful. Nephi realized that this was the only way he was ever going to end up with those plates. Yeah. The third time the voice spoke to him and said, Nephi, 
Slay him, for the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. That's in First Nephi chapter 4, verse 12. Nephi was faithful and did as he had committed to keeping the commandments of the Lord. He faithfully obeyed. He grabbed Laban by the hair of the head, raised Laban's powerful sword, and chopped Laban's head off. Yeah. Now, reading between the lines, was Nephi justified in killing Laban? Nephi had just murdered a defenseless man. Haven't we been given a commandment that simply stated, Thou shalt not kill? Who gave that commandment? Jesus. God. Jehovah. That's right. Jehovah. And as such, Jehovah was the only one who could withdraw it, who could change it, or could yeah. go in contradiction to it. Well, and I guess I would say you're not really justified in killing anyone unless God tells you to. Until, and when uh, or, God tells you to, then he's the one that has the, the authority to do that. Yeah. This act to end Laban's earthly life was not just permission to kill Laban. It was a commandment yeah. that God gave to Nephi, and Nephi obeyed. Yeah. Why do you think Nephi chose to retell this story in its horrific details on the small plates of Nephi. Why wouldn't he change the story, make it a little more palatable? Well, I think Nephi, in writing it out the way he did, he wanted us to know exactly the truth. He wanted us to know that he hadn't done something on his own. He hadn't just decided, I'm going to kill this guy. Right. He was doing what God had commanded him, and it was probably a difficult thing for him to do. He says, I never, I never done anything like this. And he said, but I listened to that spirit and I obeyed it. And he felt justified in doing that because he had done what God commanded him to do. Right. Reading That's between the lines again, this was a pivotal moment in Nephi's history. This was his personal trial by fire. Yeah. His life would be forever changed. At that very moment, Nephi had set his determined course of unquestionable discipleship for eternity. And he was not ashamed of his decision. Yeah. It makes sense. Because he obeys, he has experiences. Like he was able to go into the city on his own without knowing what he was going to do yeah, because right. he le was led by the Spirit. That's if he right. didn't listen to the Spirit, he wouldn't have been led there. And being led by the Spirit was what got him there. So he needed to continue to follow that same Spirit that had led him there. After Nephi and his brothers retrieved the brass plates, they returned to their father's camp three days south in the valley of Lemuel. The family there were so relieved to see them again. Well, it had been a while. I think they thought they were just going to go down and ask for these plates and they were just going to get them because God had told them to do that and that it would work out. But it had probably been a, at least a few weeks. Right. And so Sariah started to complain a little bit. She started getting anxious. And you can understand, she thought, maybe my sons have been killed trying to get these plates. So she was just worried and saying, why are we out here? Lehi, you let us out into the middle of the and world. No, my sons are all dead. That's right. Yeah, and we're, we lost all our house and our family now and our friends, and we're just out here in a tent. What are you <laughs> doing? You're having these wild visions. Yeah. But now you've killed our sons. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if she was angry for that long because it says that Lehi explained to her, he said, you know what, I am a visionary man. <laughs> and if I hadn't had these visions, we would have been destroyed with the rest of the people in Jerusalem when it's going to be destroyed. So yeah. you should be grateful. And I think he might have humbled her a little bit, but 
She was really humble after they had returned. When they returned, it was such a relief to know that they were still alive, that God had protected them, that they had brought back the plates which Lehi had sent them to get. She had to be so relieved. And interestingly enough, do we ever hear again of Sariah murmuring or complaining? Yeah, she had that faith in it. And we even have her testimony, she says. First Nephi 5, verse 8. And she spake, saying, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath commanded my husband to flee into the wilderness. Yea, and I also know of a surety that the Lord hath protected my sons and delivered them out of the hands of Laban and given them power whereby they could accomplish the thing which the Lord hath commanded them. So she was definitely sure now, and she had her testimony, and it was strengthened by her experiences and, and by those trials that she went through. Yeah. A lot of this goes back to what Nephi learned or tells us right in the beginning of this whole story. He says, The tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith. It's not that they have these wonderful experiences just because God's chosen them. It's that they've had faith or they show that they have faith and then God can perform these miracles for them because of their faith. First comes the faith and then comes the miracles. Yeah, and that's definitely how it worked for Nephi and it's how it worked for Sariah and, and for all the those people who had faith. And that's how it works for each of us. Thanks so much for listening. Next time, we'll continue tying into the Come, Follow Me lessons and talk about Lehi's dream and the creation of Nephi's two sets of plates. Please come back and, of course, continue to enjoy your reading.